What's good, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Amatelic and TIS podcast. Your host, your Strolling, Jai Shields, here on this Thursday, June the 9th, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to talk about here on a busy show. NBA Finals here at the top. Another manager in Major League Baseball got, uh, was given the pink slip earlier this week in Joe Madden. Of the formerly of the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, we'll get into that. Uh, I want to uh, touch on the Lakers hired a new head coach. If you care, I'll give you my uh, opinion on that. This Live Golf Tour uh, rivaling the PGA with uh, funding by the Saudis and Phil joining Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, that meathead joining. I will give you my two cents on that later on in the program. We'll also talk to Sean Watson and uh, Jack Del Rio, who sounded like a horse's ass uh, earlier this week. Got a busy show. Touch on basketball, baseball, golf, and the national and the National Football League as uh, as the show moves itself along. But where we will begin, and sincerest apologies for no show on Tuesday. Scheduling conflicts with me uh, with me uh, having to work on Tuesday and. I figured, what the hell is the point of making an episode on Wednesday when uh, making an episode on Wednesday so close to the tip-off time of Game 3 of the NBA Finals? So I might as well, although I wanted to to, uh, dissect Game 2 and then preview Game 3 as much as anybody, it made more sense to break down Game 2 and Game 3, find a connection between the two of them, and hopefully, you know, hope that Game 3... Gives me a little bit, gives me an extra uh, bonus talking point for me to discuss, and uh, and then go from there, and then talk, and then come back at you guys on uh, on Saturday on Saturday to recap uh, to recap Game Four and talk about anything else that's going on in the world of sports, which we shall do here on this uh, late week uh, late week show, the first full week. Of the month of June. Well, if I would have came on after game two on Tuesday, I would have told you guys, or or Monday for that matter, I would have told you guys that that was a game that the Golden State Warriors had to win, and that was a game that I expected the Golden State Warriors to win. Everything went in their favor. They're deep. They played better defense than Boston. And that, quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, is what this series is going to come down to. Is what team is going to play the better defense? Because we all because we all know both teams can score and they can score a hundred fifteen hundred a hundred and fifteen-ish points on average in their sleep. Tatum can score, Jalen Brown can score, Steph and Clay, of course we know what's up with them. And then throwing a little bit of Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and it's a revolving door of the of the of the young player. That's either in the starting line for Golden State or coming off the bench. But the question is, you know, and and the phrase holds true for a reason. Defense excuse me, wins championships. 
And it's, it comes down to who's going to play the best defense. And with the Celtics being the best defensive basketball team in the NBA all season long, it has to because Steph Curry by hook or by crook is going to give is going to give you his thirty points tonight. And we've seen that so far throughout the first three games in this series. He was off the charts in the first half in Game One. The the Warriors defense was out the lunch, and they allowed the Boston Celtics to uh, and they allowed the Boston Celtics to drop. Uh, 120 points on him in game one. Game two, same game two on Sunday, same story. Steph Curry goes out there and he scores, uh, has a phenomenal night, phenomenal night offensively and scores uh, 29 points, makes five threes, nearly goes perfect from the free throw line, dishes out four assists, three steals, and six rebounds. Has a sensational night. Warriors win 107-88. The, the Boston goes from dropping 120 points on Golden State to 88. Why their defense their defense was better than Boston's and it was absolute and it was absolutely off the freaking charts. Steph Curry had a phenomenal game defensively in game two. And then you turn your heads to uh to game three. Last night, the series opener at the TD Garden at for, a first, excuse me, the first NBA Finals being played in that arena in over a decade. What happened? Steph Curry showed. Steph Curry struggled, got himself into many, and he was in foul trouble all night long. But he got himself into foul trouble early. But what happened? Six made threes, thirty-one points, uh, thirty-one points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals. The biggest problem, the biggest problem on the night for Steph Curry last night was he was horrendous, was god awful defensively, was pathetic. Uh, it was pathetic last night defensively. Turned over the basketball three times, and Steph Curry, who has who has just as much as a lethal free throw shooter as he is a three point shooter, Steph Curry, who again got himself in foul trouble right from the opening quarter, about the first few minutes into the game, he had already racked up two fouls, and he did not counter that by drawing fouls of by drawing fouls to benefit him in Golden State. He only got to the free throw line one time, and that was and that was on the and that was on. The te- and that was on the uh, the, uh, the 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 the, te- the technical foul shot that he took on that rare five point play. Or no wait, yeah four no four point play. I apologize. Had got five got five points out of the possession. Got uh got five six points out of the possession, but he made the three and had to shoot the free throw. And then Golden State also got the possession, but he only got he only, he only had one free throw attempt in the game last night. And one of the big part of Golden State's game is Steph Curry being able to kill you from deep at the top of the key and and beyond the perimeter. And then when there's elements where he drives inside in in the paint to to uh, to to get his layups and to rack up his points, that's where Steph Curry draws the foul, gets to the free throw line, and he's automatic. Only got to the free throw line one time last night. And getting getting to the free throw line often and making his free throws is just as much of it as just as leth as just it's just as much of a, of a lethal part of Steph Curry's game as it is him shooting threes. And and and, they, and you figure Steph Curry didn't get himself in a lot of foul trouble, and there were moments in that game last night, especially in the second half, when you saw Boston start to pull away and, and start to gain momentum. The crowd was going to be in it, and you saw the camera on Steph Curry, and the look on Steph Curry's face was, "Steve, can you, whatever you got, get me back into this damn game." You saw, I you could see it by his body language on the bench, how he was sitting with the towel. You could see it. Steph Curry, it was killing him. 
that he was in foul trouble so much so to the point that he had to spend a lot of vital game time sitting on the bench just so Steve Kerr could save him from fouling out when Golden State needed him the most. He didn't end up. He did not end up fouling out, but boy, getting him him getting himself in foul trouble really did his team. A uh, huge disservice. Clay Thompson finally uh, showed up uh, and was back. He had a sensational night playing 39 minutes. And I had brought this up when I was on the um, when I was on the uh, when I was on the Bring It Show on the ASAP uh, Network with my pal uh, with my pal uh, Yol the Big Dog. Uh, and I brought this up on the show on Monday night, and I'll say, and I'll say it again right here. You know, it was it, it's a Steph Curry's gonna give you what he's got. And if the Jordan Pools and everybody else can compensate, that's fine. But if Golden State's clicking on all excuse me, if the Boston Celtics are clicking on all cylinders, it is important for Clay Thompson to show up and 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 to provide offensively for them. You know, you saw it in game you saw it in game one where Jason Tatum was awful. Uh, scoring wise, Boston's uh, excuse me, his teammates on Boston were able to bail him out. They won and they won game one. Just because, just because you're able to get bailed out, and just because you're able to escape with a big time win when your best player doesn't score, that doesn't mean you sh- you should make it a habit and should expect it every single time. Similar thing with Golden State. Clay Thompson did not show up. At, Clay Thompson did not show up in game two. They need him to show up now. Clay for now. Clay on from his personal standpoint, he did a, it was a sensational improvement from going 11 points, four of 19 from the field. That's 21 percent uh, field goal shooting. If you're doing the math and going one of eight from three, a significant a significant step step up in game three last night, in which Clay Thompson played 39 minutes. Scored uh scores thirty nine minutes twenty five points five of thirteen from three seven to seventeen uh in total and and was six for six from the free throw line. Clay Thompson got to the free throw line uh a, a good a good portion than we than we've seen him uh, in games and in series pass in the last uh in the last two in the last uh, two months in time, but. Clay Thompson give him tremendous credit for bouncing back. It just wasn't good enough. Why? Because why? Because uh, and, and because for one, Draymond Green. Draymond Green did not have a great night. Uh, did not have a great. Did not have a good night. Jordan Poole did not have a great night himself. Uh, only took eight shots, twenty four minutes to play, ten points. Uh, it, it and Boston was it was clicking. And again, Golden State's defense was 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 that was out the lunch and was absolutely nowhere to be found. They got out rebounded by Boston. I mean, bottom line is, and I said it, and and the and the way Boston rebounded, or excuse me, the way Golden State rebounded in Game Two compared to Game Three, and, and the second chance points and grabbing the offense ball, it was a complete night and day performance. From Sunday night to Wednesday night. Wednesday night they got out rebounded, forty-seven to thirty-one. Golden, or excuse me, Boston beat Golden State in the offensive rebound battle, fifteen to six, and they beat them in a defensive rebound battle, thirty-two to twenty-five. And you throw that in, you throw that into the equation where Boston was forty-eight. They shot forty-eight. They shot damn near fifty percent from the field last night. But Boston couldn't couldn't miss a shot. 
got into those grooves where every single time they touched the ball, it ended up it ended up ending in a uh, in a positive possession. And then Golden State turned over the ball, uh, turned over the ball a lot, seventeen to twelve over over Boston, and uh, and Boston did an excellent job capitalizing off of Golden State's turnovers, nineteen to seventeen as what well, nineteen to seventeen uh, as well. Not to mention, and this is another thing that go it was night and day with Golden State compared to Game Two to Game Three Sunday and Wednesday night. Golden State kicked the Celtics' ass. They kicked their ass. Thoroughly in game two on Sunday night, points in the paint and dominating inside. Thoroughly outclassed Boston in game two. Game three, Boston returned the favor. 52 points in the paint to Golden State's 26. And it wasn't a flagrant with Steph Curry, or excuse me, it wasn't a tentacle with Steph Curry, it was a flagrant. I misspoke, I apologize. They kicked, they kicked their tail, points in the paint. And what you have seen in these three games thus far is that when Golden State Golden State has to out rebound, they have to outscore Boston in the paint, and they got to play better defense and turn over the basketball less because we know that they can score, but it's the little things: not turn over the basketball, second chance points, dominating the game inside. Those th- not having your star players get into foul trouble, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, who, which I, who I'll touch on in a minute. Those things matter in beating this Boston team. Because you can score, Steph and Clay, they showed up offensively, but you're doing yourself no favors if you're Steph Curry only getting to the free throw line one time, turning over the basketball three times, Draymond Green not doing a damn thing, racking up a quadruple single. You're not doing your, getting dominated inside the paint with the rebounds, defensive, offensive, second chance points, points in the paint. You're doing yourselves no favors getting outclassed in, by Boston in those categories. I don't care if Steph and Clay combined for 75 points. If Boston is able to keep pace and they're doing those little things better than you are Golden State, you're not winning the series. You're not winning the series. Case closed. You're not winning it. And they 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 can score. They they were phenomenal offensively. What are you gonna do on defense? Defense. Steph Curry spit up the joint. It was terrible on defense last night. And then you look on the Boston side, they had three they had three players score score over 20 points. Marcus Smart had 24, Jalen Brown 27, Jason Tatum 26. And Al Horford with a productive 5 of 7 night from the field and 11 points himself, racking up eight boards, six assists and a steal and a block. That's not going to outdo Stephen Clay with their 31 and 25. When three players on Boston have are scoring 23, 23 points or more. Not to mention you got Robert Williams with four blocks and ten rebounds on the night. Throwing a little Al Horford dominating the game inside. Five or seven from the field and 11 points on his own. With, a, with eight rebounds and six assists as well. You're not, you're not going to beat Boston. I don't care how many points Steph, Steph and, uh, and, and Clay score. Now, granted, Steph probably could have scored a little more and would have had a little bit of a more productive night offensively had he not gotten in foul trouble and had to and had to sit many of uh, exchange of possessions on the bench. But still, 
As for Boston, Jalen Brown, his 17 points in the first quarter, ties the Celtics most in any finals corner and over the last 50 years. Also done by Ray Allen in the second quarter of uh, of a June 6 NBA Finals game against the Lakers in 2010. Robert Williams, second player I mentioned with the, with the when he racked up all the blocks last night, second Celtics player with three blocks and three steals in the NBA Finals game since Kevin McHale did it in Game Four of the '86 Finals against the Rockets. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart getting talked about them, of course, with as scoring all of them scoring at least 23 points or more. First trail to do that, 20 plus points, five and five. Plus, in the NBA Finals game since Kareem, Magic, and Michael Cooper did it in the 84 Finals. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, second duo in NBA history to score 1,000 points in a single uh, playoff run while, while the age of 25 or younger when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook did it in the 2012 and 2014 NBA playoffs. But, that is, but you know, it, Celtics were clicking. The crowd was into it, and I and if I and if I would have did a show either Monday on two or Tuesday, I would have told you guys that I did, that I wasn't going. I didn't expect, and I would not have picked Golden State to win Game Three. I wouldn't have picked it. I would. I wouldn't. I, w- I wouldn't have anticipated it because I told you guys the last show that I did that a I do not think that the that any team is going to win back-to-back games in this series. It's going to be tra- it's going to be a trade-off. Who who is Boston wins one night, expect Golden State to bounce back and then and vice versa. I gave you the stat last episode of how of how well the Boston Celtics are coming off of losses versus when they come off of wins. When they come off of wins, they're not nearly as good of a basketball team as they are coming off of losses. I gave you guys that stat of the last show that we uh, the last show that we did, but that crowded TD Garden's going to be into it. They were into it. They were energetic. They were feisty. I mean, you, we, there is no better environment. Uh, and and throughout the last, and I've been watching the NBA playoffs thoroughly since 2000 and 2014, 15-ish. And there is not a crowd that plays well into the NBA Finals atmosphere. There's three of them. There's Golden State, there's Phoenix, and there's Boston that I've seen. That I, that I, that, Cleveland, a little bit. Cleveland, eh. I feel like the games were a lot more electrifying and Golden State between those two teams than they were in Cleveland. But Golden State, Oakland, and San Francisco, the Boston with the Celtics, and Phoenix last year with the Phoenix Suns. Those three environments and those three fan bases, get they get it when their teams are playing in the NBA Finals. Sold-out crowd on their feet, chanting, yelling, screaming at the top of their lungs. They're, they're into it. They're into it, but Golden State is going to be a long, It's going to be a short series for them if they can't find a way to, to to consistently on a game in game out basis, one game after the other, shut down Boston offensively and also not beat themselves with getting into foul trouble, 
turn over the basketball at infinitum, getting out-rebounded, out-hustled, uh, outscored in the paint, allowing the second chance uh, rebounds and second chance points. They have no chance if they go if they're going to get if they are consistently going to be outclassed by Boston in those categories. Again, I don't care how much Stephen Clay score. If you if if you two two if your starters get into foul trouble, Draymond, Steph, and Draymond's been been towing the line all a whole hell of a lot in this series. Steph last night. And getting out rebounded and outscored with with you know doing with the when it, with not necessarily shooting the threes, but when it comes to the dirty work, getting out getting outscored and out hustled in those categories, Golden State doesn't stand a chance. I understand they got the experience, but if they don't tighten that stuff up, it, it they they could get swept in Boston and then go back home to Golden State for their funeral for Game Five. And another thing that I think that's that's imperative in this series, I told you guys at the beginning it was imperative for for the Celtics to win a game in Golden State. I also think that if Golden State allows themselves to get beat on Friday night, and they allow themselves to get, they allow the first two games in Boston to get the first two out out of a potential three games in Boston, they get swept. Golden State does it in Boston those two games. Series is going to be over. I think I still think this has potential to be a seven six a six seven game series. But if Golden State loses on Friday night and you essentially see a repeat of what occurred on Wednesday, you can forget it. You can forget it. It's imperative that Golden State wins for their main, for, for their championship hopes to be alive, whether they win it in six or in seven. It is vital for them to win tomorrow night. If they don't win tomorrow night, if they get themselves in a deficit where Curry or Thompson and or Draymond Green find themselves in foul trouble, they're turning over the basketball left and right, they're getting out hustled and just getting just pounded on the road, and that crowd is, is, is into it, coming off of a long work week Friday night, and that crowd is giving them hell, that crowd is into it right from the opening tip, and, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's jump shots are falling, and Al Horford's dominating inside the paint with a couple of electrifying slam dunks to, to really ignite the crowd. Bye-bye, Golden State. Bye-bye, Golden State. And another thing, Draymond Green. You know, I get, I get it. I, you know, some people ask me, you know, all, you know, Jay, why don't you ever root for, you don't root for Golden State, you don't root for the Kansas City Chiefs. Why you always root against them and root for them to lose? Why Why? Why is that you don't like Golden State? You don't like seeing Steph Curry with three points? Ladies and gentlemen, watching, watch, I've never, and I said this before the series started, I do not root for the Golden State Warriors I don't, unless I either have like a bracket or I have money on them. If there's nothing on the line for me, if I have no quote-unquote skin in the game, I, I don't root for Golden State. And that's not by accident and that's not by happenstance. The Golden State's not a likable team. I'm sorry. It's they they are not they're not a likable root rootable if that's even a word basketball team they're not I mean I got I, 
I, I, I, I can't root for him. And Draymond Green, and Draymond Green especially, you know, Draymond Green goes. I, I, I mean, I, I got, I gotta say this. Draymond Green, a lot of times, and especially, especially in this, Draymond Green tries his damnedest and tries his hardest to go out of his way to either act like or portray himself to his opponent into being an asshole. Draymond Green tries his absolute freaking hardest to make to make himself I won't even go as far as to make him as far as him, but to give off the perception that on the basketball court that he is an asshole. He tries his Hardest to do stuff to make him appear like an ass. Diving on players, on throwing his body on players after loose balls, having his legs and his ankles wrapped around players' chests and neck, like he's performing a wrestling move on them. Shoving up, shove. I mean, it's just like just, just the shoving players, you know, during during a, during a scuffle or, or a dust up. Touching and pointing at players' heads when they get tangled up in between whistles. It's just, it's it's enough. It's enough. It's, 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 it's getting to be tired and his act is getting very old. It's, it's, get, it's getting to be very old and very tiresome and very annoying. It it is. I got. I gotta be honest. It is hard for me. It, it's 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 annoying. It re- It's and I typically, if I'm not rooting for a player or whatever, if if I if I'm not rooting for a player or whatever, or if, or you know, and I and as you guys know, I don't have a favorite NBA team. I don't have a favorite NBA team, but you know, I if I don't, especially, and this is just with sports in general. I typically do not try to get as emotionally involved, you know, when it comes to rooting against players or whatever. But it's just, it's to the point with Draymond that nothing would make me happier than to see Boston send he and the Golden State Warriors home without a championship. It, it is getting that damn bad. He, he is, he's annoying. He is, he's annoying. I don't know how else to say it, what way to, 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 to articulate it. Draymond Green is just annoying to watch play basketball because whatever it is, whatever game, whatever team he's playing, he feels the need to go out of his way to literally do the damn most. Just play basketball. And I get it. I get it and I understand it that part of Draymond Green's game and part of his quote unquote charm is that he does the dirty work. The watching his highlights are not sexy to the eye. He 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 isn't Steph Curry or Clay Thompson that's going to drop three after three after three after three after three in their face. I understand his step back jump shot doesn't look good. I understand he doesn't have a pretty jump shot. I get it. he's not a great scorer and his job is 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 to play the mental games with his opponents. I get that. I understand that. 
But you cannot, under any circumstances, continue to pull the crap that he does while also attacking media members, sitting up in press conferences saying, oh, well, 19, the 1980s and 1990s NBA, is, it's, it's, it's overrated of, of how tough and physical and hard-nosed it was. This, that, and the other. You can't do that and run and record your little podcast with Colin Coward, run over a cordial little podcast in the morning after playoff games, and sound off another series happening in the NBA playoffs and this, that, and the other, and you stink up the joint the way you do. And listen, I watched it with a magnifying glass. There were many, many Golden State Warrior fans critiquing and criticizing Draymond Green ad infinitum. On Twitter, and not just last night, they 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 damn near verbally crucified him during the Memphis series. They, a lot of people are getting Warriors fans included, are getting a little bit sick and damn tired slash exhausted with Draymond Green's act. It's enough. He dives. He he dives on players. Throw intentionally. Throws his body, whether it's his body, his torso, or his legs and feet on players around their heads. He elbows them. He damn near freaking clothesline and threw Jason Tatum into the first row behind the baseline on one of the free throw attempts earlier earlier in the in the ball game. Throws elbows, throws his arms, and he's always, 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 constantly. Bitching and moaning and belly aching to the officials. Always. This is the reputation, Draymond, that you have earned. They aren't just picking on you just by sheer sh by shits and giggles and pure happenstance. You have earned your reputation to not necessarily get the benefit of the doubt with every whistle. For the officials, the Scott Forces of the world to watch you play to watch you play under a, under a microscope, watching every single move that you make, making sure that it isn't dirty, crossing the line, pushing the envelope, and worthy of you getting either teed up or flagrant to to, to send you to an, to an early showers. You've earned this. You've earned, and you've warranted, and you've pushed the buttons for the Boston Celtics fan to say, F you Draymond. Not saying it's right. Not saying that they should do that. We all know, anybody that knows the history of the Boston Celtics organization, the history of that city, and the history of that particular fan base, knows that they are a raunchy, ra they are a raunchy, raucous, envelope-pushing group of people. And many a times they can cross the line and go into racial epithets and racism. I remember when the Orioles were up at Fenway Park and Adam Jones got a bag of peanuts thrown at him and was called a monkey. And all the crap they did to Bill Russell, who played for the Boston Celtics and was, sub and was subjected and had to experience vile episodes of racism. So far be it for me to stick up for the Boston sports fan slash Celtics fan. We all know that they are a raunchy, raucous, 
controversial, edgy fan base. But it wasn't like they said, Draymond's a monkey, Draymond's a nigger, Draymond's an ape. Or nigger boy. Or you dark skinned, some of them are you know what. They want like they called him that. F you Draymond. When they see he's about to throw their best player, Jason Tatum, into the damn hoop base during a layup. When they see he's throwing his body on Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, tangling feet up, arm tangling, just doing doing whatever the hell he can to just do the most and to get on the Boston Celtics' nerves. When they see that, and he is sitting up, playing 35 minutes, 35 minutes, and putting up, and I am not making this up to you, 35 minutes, taking four jump shots, making one, scoring two points, two and fouling out of basketball games. And racking up a quadruple single. Two points. Four rebounds. Three assists. One block. Six fouls. And out. When they see that. And their team is kicking your ass at home. They and it's 9 o'clock at night. Because Adam Silver feels the need to put the games on late. So the Golden State Warrior fan. Watching the game in rush hour traffic. When the game is being played on the damn East Coast. Can watch the games. But that's a separate argument. Another rant altogether. And the games being played at 9, at 9, 10 o'clock at night. And they've literally waited all day for the game. And you poke the bear. Sometimes the bear bites back. You poke the dog, you don't let a sleeping dog lie. Sometimes the dog wakes up and bites and bites you in the ass in a place where you didn't want it to bite you. That horse called pay. my grandfather says all the time, that, that horse called payback is a real bitch. And the horse called payback, that is the Boston Celtics, has been a real bitch to Draymond Green and his basketball team. When you go out there and and, and, you, and you essentially, which is fine, if you want to change the sports media landscape and want to and, and want to call war on all the elder statesmen of the sports media industry and and, and want to be a, a catalyst changing the sports media, which is fine. Have your little podcast, expand your brand, and have your own voice, which is fine. But you can't do that. And start attacking people on their and telling and telling and essentially telling people in their profession that is sports media, sports broadcasting. Hey, you're doing your job wrong. You're bad at your job, and yet you turn around at your own job, your own career, your own profession that you're getting paid handsomely for in a championship level setting, and you put up. Two points, four rebounds, three assists, one block, and 35 minutes of play, and you fell out. That's a, that's a, And then bitch and moan when, when the crowd has to, has the cojones to say, F you, Draymond. 
You can't have it both ways. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. If Draymond Green wants to change over the, the sports media business, that's fine. But make sure that your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and your nose is kept clean. Which means you perform in the NBA, in the NBA Finals games on the road. You don't stick up the joint. You don't turn over the basketball all, all the freaking time. You don't get out rebounded out down and, and just get absolutely just thoroughly get your ass kicked by Al Horford, Robert Williams, and Jason Tatum. You can't tell people, hey, you suck at your job, and then turn around and spit the bit at, at your own place of business. Releasing podcasts every single time you turn around instead of getting in the gym and working on your damn game or staying up all hours of the night watching and breaking down your damn film. Can't have it both ways. You want to you want to change? Fine. Make sure you're doing your job at the same time because you can't call out the speck in somebody else's eye. We got a big ass plank in your own with two points and six fouls, playing thirty five minutes as a player that, and sure as hell, not in my eyes, but in many people's eyes, considered a Hall of Fame player on a Hall of Fame team. Draymond Green is as overrated as the day is long. He stinks. Overrated. If he was on the Sacramento Kings and was teammates with freaking DeMarcus Cousins, you know what? Draymond Green wouldn't have a goddamn podcast. And that is fact. One of the most overrated things about him is because he's teammates with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Because they make him look good. And it says, well, we're lacking enough. The podcasts are coming. Draymond, nobody gives a The Golden State Warrior fan that was, that was cussing their brains out on Wednesday night doesn't give a damn about your stupid podcast with Colin Cowherd. Okay, put the pot, put the turn the microphone off. That's what I'm here for. Turn the microphone off, the computer off, the on-air light off. Get in the gym, get in the film room, and work on your damn game. Because instead of you bumping your gums about new media and the Boston fan base and Chris Romano Russo, get off your ass. Get in the gym and work on your damn game. Because you were downright embarrassing as a professional basketball player playing in the NBA Finals on Wednesday night. You stunk. All I hear, Javon Green is a great defensive player. You were pathetic defensively. Al Horford and Jason Tatum and company ran circles around your ass. And it's not just me. And it's not just the quote-unquote Draymond Green haters. The Golden State Warrior fan, at least the ones that I go by on the internet, are getting a little bit sick and damn tired of his act too. 
him being more focused on being a polarizing voice in press conferences and in the podcast recording studio than he is as a basketball player on the court. If you want to do that, fine. But make sure that you are on top of your game at your own job before you start critiquing people about before you start critiquing people at how they are at theirs. And if you can't do that, hang up your jersey, call it a night, give Golden State your money back, and you can be a media member until you drop for decades on end until you drop dead. Draymond Green is a Hall of Fame player, my ass. Give me a break. I understand the Boston Celtic fan. I get it. But Draymond Green and the people around him, that's Kerr, that's Klay Thompson, that's Steph Curry, his wife, everybody. That's in Draymond's circle has got to take the blinders off and realize that this man brings the negativity and the negative attention onto himself. They do. He does things that makes himself unlikable, unbecoming, easy to root against. And then when he, and they, and either when somebody either crosses a line that he doesn't like, or somebody says something he doesn't like, he 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 pulls his head out of the sand and says, "Oh, who me? What the hell are you picking on me for? This is a joke. This is ridiculous. What are you doing to pick on me? Because you're the one that always starts the damn arguments and the damn fights and the pissing matches." And then he gets all pissed off when, when the opponents that he plays on the basketball court or the people in the media or the fan base just say something back in return. For every reaction, there's a, for every action, it's an opposite equal reaction, Draymond. You should have learned that when you were in, in freaking middle school. You give off negative energy, you're going to receive that negative energy right back. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm done. I, 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 I can't deal with it anymore. Show up and play. And play well. You say, you know, you're great with the unfortunate. Then good. Which means you should be racking up rebounds like you're Charles Barkley and playing defense like you're, like you're Dennis Rodman. And so far in this series, you ain't a patch on either of those two Hall of Famers' asses. A patch. Back right after this. Welcome back 
Tony, I'm talking to our ears podcast. Switching gears now to Major League Baseball and another uh, firing and another uh, manager in Major League Baseball bites the dust. Joe Madden was uh, told earlier this week to say goodnight. He, uh, now the former manager of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Phil Nevin, third base coach, now the interim manager for the club for the remainder of the season. Uh, as the uh, as the Los Angeles Angels, they were writing a they were they writing a I believe at the time it was an 11, 12 game losing streak at the time that Joe got canned. Now they've lost fourteen. They are now below five hundred at twenty seven and thirty one. And just a look, this segment isn't about them, but just a little quick little side note. Houston Astros, once again, running the hell away with the American League West. Already a nine-and-a-half game lead. They take care of business. Let me just see who they play. Uh, who they play. They have an off night tonight. Let's see who they play on Friday. They are... They have Friday? No. They play... They host the Miami Marlins... This weekend, uh, this weekend on a three-game weekend series set down at uh, Houston, Texas, at Minute Maid. So if the Houston, so if the Angels' losing streak extends to, if the Angels' losing streak extends to fifteen, and uh, and they play the uh, they play the Red Sox tonight at nine thirty eight here in the East. Otani uh, Pitt was pitching tonight. Let's see if he can make it. Out of the uh, third inning this time around, but if the if if Otani doesn't snap the Angels out of their fourteen game skid, and the Angels, uh, or excuse me, and the Astros beat the Marlins on Friday night, which means heading into Saturday, the the Astros will have a double dip. Will be the first, uh, yeah, they will be the first and the only team in the sport to have to have a double digit. Uh, division leading lead over the second place team. The Yankees, as of right now on Thursday uh, evening, hold a six and a half game lead over Tampa. The Twins have a four and a half, have a four solid four game lead over the uh, Cleveland Guardians. And the National League Mets have a seven game lead over Atlanta. Only a half game lead Milwaukee has over St. Louis, and the Dodgers only have a two game lead over the thirty five and twenty two San Diego Padres. But anyway, it's not about those teams. This is about. Uh, Joe Madden and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Four, 14 game losing streak. Somehow, it's the way they have a plus five run differential still. They are now under 500 at home at 15 and 16, 12 and 15 away from Angel Stadium. Loses a fifth, loses a 14 in a row as uh, uh, Phil Nevin's first few nights as a major league manager have not have not been all uh, sugar and spice and everything nice. Joe Madden uh, takes a hike. Uh, I had a you had a feeling, uh, and it's weird and it's ironic because this losing streak was occurring while the uh, while tempers not while tempers but while uh, the hot seat excuse me was heating up up in Philadelphia up and over in Philadelphia with Joe Girardi and he got fired uh, and he got and Joe Girardi got fired in the, throughout the middle of uh, or not towards middle but towards the latter back end. Of the Angels' uh, current losing streak, and you just had a feeling that if the Angels weren't weren't going to snap out of that losing streak and fast, and somehow, some way, find a way to put together a nice little three, four, five game winning streak, that Joe Madden would be the next manager to be on the chopping block. Both he and Joe Girardi are, are uh, World Series champion 
managers in their in their uh, in their own right. But Joe Madden, who uh, you know, who nearly cost the Cubs the 2016 World Series, him wearing out a Rodas Chapman. Of course, who can forget the Rajay Davis game time two home, two run home run in the bottom of the eighth inning of Game Seven between the Cubs and the uh, and the Indians and Joe Madison. Joe Madison. <laughs> Joe Madden. Uh, you know, hit his if he is a religious man, hit should hit his uh, should hit his knees every single night before he goes to bed. That uh, that that a rain delay plus a plus a. Uh, Plus a plus a Anthony Rizzo, Dexter Fowler, Jason Hayward, rain delay speech, throwing a little Ben Zobrist, and uh, and he wouldn't have a World Series championship ring sitting on his mantle at his home in uh, in Long Beach in Long Beach, California. But um, but he does have one, and uh, you see how quickly the uh, the Cubs wasted no time getting him out of town. And uh, and now he got uh, he got shown the door with the with the with the L.A. Angels, you know. With Joe Madden, you wonder if he's going to manage again. He currently is in his uh, and is in his uh, late sixties. He is currently at the time uh, sixty eight years of age, born in nineteen fifty four. Uh, I would not be surprised if Joe Madden never, uh, if Joe Madden never, uh, manages another, uh, never manages another game again, especially the way the game's going, leaning to the, to the former player slash, uh, slash younger players leaning towards, uh, that side of the, uh, spectrum when it comes to teams, uh, get, when it comes to teams, uh, uh, selecting and hiring these managers, if he, uh, you know, I would, I would low key be surprised if he finds another job again. You know, you got to think about teams that would be on the market for a manager. You know, that are that are ready to be a because he's he's that manager. He's the manager that's ready for a team that, to compete and to compete for a championship. Uh, the Orioles still about a year or about a year or two years away from from being a from being a. a a playoff competing uh, baseball team. The Marlins, uh-uh, they got issues of their own with Don Mattingly. You go in the American League East. Alex Cora isn't going anywhere. Kevin Cash isn't going anywhere. If Aaron Boone gets shown the door, I'd be shocked with Joe Girardi still sitting there. Though why would they bring on Joe Girardi when Joe Girardi got, got canned after making it to uh, the ALCS in 2017? How many years ago was that? Was that what five years ago? And Aaron Judge and a, and a couple of other players. Now maybe they've matured. Who knows? But I'd be shocked if the Yankees bring Girardi back if things don't work out with Boone and they have an utter either late season or postseason collapse under Boone's watch. The Blue Jays and nah, uh, the AL Central maybe. I mean Larusa, I'd be worried about, but he's tied to the hit to the hip with uh, with Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. So no. Uh, Francona with the Indians, I'm not, you know, he's there for the time being, and the Indians are playing good baseball. They pitched well, took two out of three for my Orioles last weekend, so I don't know about that. Um, I, you know, the Royals are nowhere near ready to win. A.J. Hinge isn't going anywhere with the Detroit Tigers. Rocco Beldelli, the same with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, with the West, the you know the the A's are at square one at the beginning of a rebuild. Astros, Dusty isn't going anywhere. Scott Service with the uh, with the uh, with the Marlins, who knows? Um, National League, Buck no. 
The Nationals are again stage one of a rebuild. No, the uh, the Braves with Snitker isn't going anywhere. The Phillies, I'd be shocked if they go to Madden prior to next season, but they are but there's certainly a possibility. Um, is there anybody else I'm forgetting? If I didn't say the Mets, of course, the, the Buck Showalter is the best thing that's happened to the Mets uh, outside of a change in ownership in a long, long time for them. Uh, the Cubs, no, they they got rid of him. Why would they bring him back? Plus, they got David Ross on contract. Uh, the Pirates are not ready to win. Cardinals, they just changed managers. Uh, Craig Council with the Brewers, no. Is there anybody else I'm forgetting? Uh, I did the Pirates, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers. Forgetting a fifth team. Um, the Reds, yeah, the Reds aren't ready to win under any circumstances. The West, the National League West, Bob Melvin just got there with the Padres. Dave Roberts is safe. Kapler got there. He's safe with the Giants. Uh Bud Black with the Rockies. The Rockies aren't a, aren't a contending team under any circumstances. And the Arizona Diamondbacks aren't either. You know, not that many places. You know, the Phillies maybe, and there's a whole lot of other question marks elsewhere. The Yankees, uh, if, they, if they collapse and fizzle out with Aaron Boone. Not too many places, at least heading into the 2023 season for Joe Madden to go. So I'd be shocked if he gets another job again. He obviously with his wacky moves, you know, with in, intentionally walking a runner, in, a runner in. He did that with the bases loaded, I believe, in Texas, in late April, early May, which was which was baffling and which was uh, and which was mind-boggling. You know, the 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 the, the coddling of Otani. They didn't win. Long losing streak of team with many expectations. Trout and Otani on the team. You know, I I believe I predicted them to make the playoffs as a wild card team, uh, and they currently are on a or have been on a free fall for the last two and a half weeks, uh, on a road to nowhere and on a road to yet another season of no playoff baseball in Orange County, California. So, Joe Madden had to go without question. Uh, you know, it wasn't like it was an issue of. Of uh, I mean the bullpen is bad and you know when they pitch they don't hit when they hit they don't pitch and the bullpen's a mess and everything else which you can blame it on the front office as much as as often as you can blame it on Joe Madden but you know it, it had to be a change and the and the Angels thinking coming off of a series where they got absolutely you know they they blew two leads blew two leads they blew a five nothing lead and then they blew a I, th- I believe it was a seven six lead in the ninth inning. Uh, against Philly, against Philadelphia on Sunday, and they allowed the then they allowed the Phillies they allowed the Phillies to walk it off for the walk off from under the ninth. They allowed Bryce Harper to hit a game time grand slam in in the later innings of the game on Sunday. They blew the game twice, twice they blew a game on Sunday with the Phillies, and that was after the Phillies showed uh, Joe Girardi the door. So that, so Artem Moreno, the owners, and you know what. If it worked for the Angels, or excuse me, if it worked for Philadelphia and they beat up on us uh, in their first series uh, post-Joe Girardi, maybe it'll work for us. It has not been the case under the watch of Phil Nevin and going up against the uh, the Boston Red Sox. but And they also and they got the Mets, and they also have the Mets in town 
uh, within the next 24-hour period. And I doubt things will change with them going up against Buck uh, and the crew from uh, Queens, New York City. But Joe, Joe Madden shown the door. Asked the Angels season is, is through. Finished. Kaput. Not making a playoffs under any circumstances. Say goodnight to Mike and the OC and his Angels. Uh, Otani stinks. Trout stinks. Both of them can't hit. And, and Otani can't pitch worth a damn. We'll see if things change on Thursday night. Uh, and I'd be surprised if Joe Madden gets another job again. I think his time as a Major League Baseball manager at 68 years of age is indeed finish we take a break i'll touch on this liv golf tour that's got everybody up in arms and the los angeles lakers hiring a new coach we'll be back the ambassador can tell you this podcast will continue in a moment To the Amatelicatias podcast, switching gears now to golf, and then we'll go right back to the basketball. As far as the uh, Los Angeles Lakers and the new coach is concerned, um, with this LIV golf tour came out, and I believe I'd start you. I, at least I started hearing news of this, of this new uh, golf league, this new golf tour, and trying to you know take players from the PJ and take them. Up. I, I heard of this in like the late winter and like late mid, not mid, but late February, early March. It was going to be happening. And, you know, Phil Mickelson, of course, he was in and he backed out and then he's in again. And a whole lot of other players are joining suit. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, just to name a few. Patrick Reed. Um, but here and here is my... Here is my thoughts on this. And I don't spend a whole hell of a lot of time on it because I've heard, I've heard more about this dopey tour than I care to know about. But here, here's my two cents on it. You know, and it goes back honestly, and and it not just speaks about this in particular, but it also speaks about society and this culture as a whole, as of where we stand in 2022 with inflation and. And Congress not wanted to wanted to tell these companies to stop it with driving the prices through the roofs and telling the gas companies to quit being such a bunch of greedy bastards with, and and gouging and 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 and, pow, and, uh, and poaching the American public with these high gas prices. It basically you can wrap it up and and just this simple statement. You know, those of you that are of the Christian faith, you're familiar with the Bible verse of second in the bible verse in second timothy and that bible verse in second timothy is one that listen i'm no bible scholar i'm not i'm i am not one of 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 the christian faith that 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 reads the bible 
on hours upon end. I don't. I I I'm not like you know. I you ask me, Jai, what's your favorite Bible verse, and I won't be able to give you one. But one thing I am able to do is when I do read the Bible, or when someone talks Bible to me, whether it's a church, whatever it is, that I can ingrain a message and and a, and a verse and the meaning behind it can be ingrained in my memory until the day that I die. And one of the verses that has been ingrained in me since the beginning that I tend to live by and tend to keep in the back of my mind at all times, one of them is 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This culture today the society today, more or less American culture and American society more than anything, we have become so enamored with, in love with, infatuated with, and the lust of the eye for money with this nation has become sickening embarrassing, disgusting, and downright shameful and pathetic. Okay, I am, I get it. I get it. Listen, I gotta, I'm in the process right now of applying for a second job so I can make sure I can pay off whatever student loans, I students, whatever balance I have for my school tuition so I can transfer out of state come August all while trying to pay for a new phone because yours truly in a rage episode broke his iPhone 8 plus and I've been having to deal with this hunk of junk called the iPhone 6 plus for the, for the last week and a half so I got to get a second job so I can pay off whatever's remaining for school and so I can afford a seven, $800 brand spanking new iPhone 12, 11, 12, 13 or whatever. So I know how important money is. Hell, I went to the Orioles game with one that you Mad Dog Express radio listeners are familiar with, Hayden in Virginia. Went to the went to the Marlins Orioles game with them not yesterday Wednesday but the but last Wednesday Wednesday of last week, you know how much a hot dog now granted I got I got my drink and a and a souvenir cup which is about a couple dollars extra, but guess how much a hot dog, and fries and a and a fountain drink cost at Oriole Park. Twenty two dollars. For something that if I were to get it. 10 years ago would have cost about $10 less around in that ballpark, no pun intended. So I, and I'm a college kid, okay? And I didn't have a job for two and a half, three months. I know, and I can know, and I learned how to appreciate the value of a dollar and how important having money is in your bank account. I get it. I understand it. I understand the feeling of feeling helpless and useless when your brother's birthday and your mother and Mother's Day rolls around and you ain't got a pot to piss in and you ain't and you ain't got two nickels to rub together because your ass has been out of work for for for, for months on end. So I get it. 
at 20 years of age how important a dollar is and how important it is to, to live and function in the in 2022 United States of America what, what, and, 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 and how important having money is to survival and conducting day-to-day -day and living your day-to-day -day life and conducting business. I get it. I understand it. But money is meant to be an asset, a tool, a resource. It's not meant to be worshipped and fawned and lusted over. It's not meant to be a driving catalyst for every single decision you make in your life. It's not meant for, it's not meant to be an element that you chase after with every ounce and soul ounce of your soul and your body selling out morals, ethics, values just so you can make the top Mosias buck. Whether it's the Cleveland Browns signing the Sean Watson, which I'll get to later on in the show, or with these golfers, the Phil Mickelsons and the Dustin Johnsons of the world who have made plenty of money for a decade in Johnson's place and a decade plus in 50-something-year-old Phil Mickelson's case. They've made money hand over fist for years. They're not they're not playing the TPC, the Ryder Cup, the 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 BM the BMW Championship, the Masters, the PJ Championship, the FedEx Cup. They don't play those events for their supper, to pay their bills, to keep a roof over their head. They make millions just on sheer sponsorships and endorsement deals. They're not going to the pool house. When they go to fill up, when they go to fill up their 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 their, their multi thousand dollar car at the gas station, they're not going to the poorhouse to pay the mortgage, to pay the electric bill, to pay the cell phone bill, to go to the go to go to the grocery store, or to have the grocery store deliver their groceries to their house, to their million dollar gated community mansions. They're not playing for their dinner. Every single time, every single weekend, they go out and travel the country and travel across the world to play golf, to play a leisure sport for a living. They're not poor, never have been in their career, never going to be. And for every single one of them, DeChambeau, who's overrated as the day is long, Mickelson, who's over the hill as a, as a pro golfer, and Dustin Johnson, who isn't exactly a ball of laughs, for Patrick Reed as well, for every single last one of them to put morals and ethics to the side and gamesmanship to the side to go play in some ragamuffin golf tour that has no history to it, no historical value to it, is not even going to have a damn U.S. television contract alongside it. For them to push all of that to the side for the big, lucrative, guaranteed contracts when they're well off to begin with is a disgrace. To go play for a league that's funded by the Saudis who rank bottom of the barrel in human rights that cut that chopped the head off of a of a 
of a of a of a of a United States journalist. Are you kidding me? Oh, while there are no cuts and there is no added bonuses for went for winning tournaments, really? All for the sake of the almighty dollar to improve your bottom line, not anybody else's. Your bottom line. You're going to sell out gamesmanship, not having to worry about it, have that pressure on you trying to make a cut in a big time tournament, not having to worry about getting that extra, having that another piece of added motivation where you get extra bonus money for finishing at the top of the leaderboard. And oh, by the way, the money that you're getting, blood money from the Saudis. Those pieces of filth in the Mideast. Disgraceful. Every single last one of you. Disgraceful. And again, you're not poor. And you don't have to go to the poorhouse to refill your car for gas. Or to go to the grocery store. Okay, the regular, the, the the regular, the regular American, the average American is, the middle class American is. Your your Phil Mickelson, your Dustin Johnson. You make and you're worth fifty million, if not already more. To give up playing, the tour on a competitive level, you gotta fight. On that su- on that on that uh, Saturday or that Friday afternoon to make a cut, you got to fight back nine on a Sunday to finish at a top rank to either win a tournament or to finish in a position where you get where you get a little extra dough in your pocket for finishing top to fifteen, top ten, top five. To hell with all that. To hell with the historical significance of playing certain courses and playing in certain tournaments. They're playing some ragamuffin group of it's playing these ragamuffin tournaments in this upstart new golfing league. Shame on all of them. Whatever happened to good that competitive spirit? No matter if you finish top of the leaderboard or at the very bottom, I get paid all the same. What the hell? Really? Really? That's how you want to be remembered. In a sport that's that struggles with connecting with the younger generation, as it is, and struggles at being a a diverse game as it is, it still has that middle age slash old white male elitist tag and label to it. And these white men that are well off and wit and rich and wealthy as the day is long says, screw morals. Screw, uh, you know the poor the poor people getting treated in Saudi Arabia, and screw the competitive nature of playing professional golf. Just make sure that my check is cashed and my check clears once you know every single tournament, and that's all I give a damn about. Speaks to a lot of what American society has become, especially within the last year. Speaks volumes. For the love of money. 
Mm-mm-mm. I mean, Phil Mickelson. World, world fought, really? And then you arrogantly, whoever it was, came out for to the song for the love of money. You guys ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Every single last one of you. As for the LA Lakers. And the Lakers, when it comes out, unless you work for ESPN FS1, the Los Angeles Lakers are, 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 are the furthest thing from my mind right now when it comes to NBA basketball. But they, but they are the Lakers, and they did hire a new coach, so I have to address this, unfortunately. Um, but uh, the Lakers hired a new coach, Darvin Ham. That he's hiring, by the way, a nice little uh, side note and a and a round of applause for the NBA, who also does business with China and and I and uh, also too, Adam Silver. You you want the American public and the American people to cry poor for you. You know, well, we lost money because of the Russia because he didn't have the ties with China. You guys will live. Tie your money in. Tie your money into another country that it that also doesn't rank in the bottom of the barrel when it comes to human rights. Th- those communist pieces of filth overseas. Tie in your tie in your economic your 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 money somewhere else. Somewhere where they don't rank at the bottom of the barrel. I'm not crying a river for you guys because you lost money because you because you couldn't you know have your little your functions with Russia with uh, with China. Forget about China. Maybe f- put a team in Seattle and why at it. Maybe put one in Baltimore. To hell with China. They too. But in this particular case, I applaud them a hundred percent for having. Half of the NBA, 15 out of 30 teams have a blackhead coach, which is something that the NFL uh, should definitely, the NFL and Major League Baseball, more the NFL because the NFL is more more predominantly black than Major League Baseball is, which is an entire different conversation for another totally different episode and day. But congratulations to the NBA, bravo, and a round of applause for the NBA for having their half of their league uh, have African-American Head coaches, but anyway, getting but that is because Darwin Ham, new head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, hired within the last week or so ago. He comes from the Milwaukee Bucks and the uh, Mike Budenholzer tree. He was an assistant there from 2018, of course, to this 2022 season. And his previous coaching experience, he was with the Lakers. He got his first NBA coaching job with the Lakers in 2011 from 2011 to 2013 as a member of Mike Brown's staff, uh, coaching Kobe, Pau Gasol, and Dwight Howard in the early 2010s. Then, of course, went to the Hawks in the in the, uh, in the the mid-late 2010s for the Atlanta Hawks from 13 to 18, and then from 18 to 22 over the last four-plus four, uh, four years or so, uh, an assistant under Mike Budenholzer with the Milwaukee Bucks, and now he... Uh, as an assistant coach, NBA champion for the 2021 Bucks, Cubs to the Los Angeles Lakers to see if they can somehow ride the ship and change things over in Tinseltown. There's there's rumblings and rumors from the Lakers organization that uh, that Russell Westbrook will stick around for the team and t- for the 2022-2023 season. Here's all I got to say to the Lakers about that. Do that at your own peril. You saw what Russell Westbrook gave you last season. Do you really think next year he's going to be a, he's going to be another year older, another year past his prime, 
Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? If it was me, the answer to that question is an obvious hell no. Take a break, get to the NFL. Talk about selling out your soul for money. Deshaun Watson, we'll get to him next. The I'm Tell I Can Tell You's podcast will continue. sacrilege to me or to you guys listening but I'm more into my my favorite part of of that song more or less is the beat not really not necessarily the um the uh, the lyrics and uh, and Montel Jordan singing himself but I'm more into the uh the boom 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 beat in the background the instrumentals but i mean the his singing is good too and i like the lyrics and the this is how we do it course is, is catchy but my favorite part of that song is the is the background is the background instrumentals more than it is the the actual singing but anyway that's neither here nor there um i tell you something right now the nfl has got to somehow some way and soon and fast find a way instead of fighting around worrying about the pro bowl and in and in and come up with NFL plus the you know another avenue and another freaking uh street that the NF, that us NFL fans that get spit on all the time have to go down an, another rabbit hole to 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 to, to give the NFL, excuse my stuttering, to give the NFL our hard-earned money so we can watch the games on, on the, so that we can watch the games on streaming services. Instead of being worried about that, finding another avenue for them to, and finding another way for them to make a buck and finding and and farting around, screwing around with the Pro Bowl. Should we get rid of the Pro Bowl? Should we keep it? Uh, nobody cares, Raj. You keep the Pro Bowl, get rid of it. Nobody in America gives a damn about the Pro Bowl. Okay, that is that is literally the one thing that you guys have that nobody in America gives two craps about. Nobody, and it's the, and it's the one thing that you have that everybody that collective that a large collective part of your fan base thinks sucks and and it, and thinks is 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 garbage. Okay, a, a decent amount of people, not all, but a decent amount of people get into the scouting combine. Everybody, everybody loves the NFL draft. Everybody loves the free agency stuff. Everybody loves the 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 release of the schedule. 
Of course, we all live and die for those Sundays from those Sundays, Thursday nights and Monday nights from from September to December and the Sundays from from September to January. Playoff football, we can't get enough of it. 100 plus million people watch the Super Bowl on a year in, year out basis. The one thing that everybody, you know, kind of pushed off to the side and wish and, and collectively agrees it's a, it's, it's a hot pile. We even get into freaking preseason games for crying out loud on on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday after. Thursday, Friday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and Sunday afternoons during the month of August when we're bored, when we're Either we, either we don't have a base favorite baseball team, we don't watch baseball. Some of some, if not most of us, throughout American society, and or we're bored with baseball, and we're chomping at the bit, and our mouth is, is watering for us to watch some football. First real football we've seen. Nobody counts. Nobody cares about the dopey USFL since we've seen Super Bowl. You know, we go to the stadium and turn on the TV to watch preseason games. But the one thing that the NFL has that everybody, that amongst their families, everybody agrees, you know, take it or leave it. We don't waste our time with it. It's the, it's the dopey Pro Bowl. But instead of worrying about that, instead of worrying about, you know, finding another avenue for you guys to, 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 to you know, the rich get rich with, with, with the NFL. Instead of finding another, another avenue to get rich, can we come up with a decision and a verdict on Deshaun Watson, please? Can, is is that is that too much to ask? Is it too much to ask? Is 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 it too is it too much to beg and plead about? Can we fi- can we get a verdict? A verdict on Deshaun Watson? Can we get a verdict? Can we get a decision? Okay, we know he's not good. We all know that he is. We all know he is not going to jail. Okay, we all know he's not going to jail. So that part. Of the legalities of of the of the legality process with Deshaun with these sexual assault lawsuits, we all know that that's not going to be a result. We all know it's not going to be a result. And with the NFL, why is it that when it comes to these sexual misconduct and these sexual assault slash rape allegations with players within their league, why is it that they're always reactive instead of proactive why is it that they always react after the fact after the damage has been done and and after the headlines are written after the media and the fans on twitter and on the internet on twitter on the internet in the print on television and radio why do they wait after those people say something instead of getting ahead of it to prevent those people can say from saying something it's always like this with these guys. When it comes to the players within their league and their mistreatment of women, whether it's Kareem Hunt, whether it's Ray Rice, whether whether you name it. Ezekiel Elliott, you name it. It's always like this with the players amongst their constituency, whether it's them hitting women or sexually abusing women, it's always like this with this league. It's always like this. They're always Chad Wheeler. It's always reactive instead of proactive. Why doesn't the NFL? They're worth billions. They print money. They're going to get more with this stupid asinine streaming service that I'm going to have to cough up money to pay for. Bad enough, I'm already paying for freaking direct TV with the Sunday ticket. 
for me to also give Apple some of my money because they're probably going to be heading to Apple TV come next year. But it's like, when when is enough enough? When is when when are they? They're worth billions. They print billions. They got former police officers and ex FBI agents working for them. They're omnipresent. They're a 12 month, 365 day a year conversational topic in sport on sports television. And on the national level, sports talk radio. Minus the Christopher Russo's of the world. They're always relevant. They're always talked about. Their sport, their players, their coaches, always relevant. For better and for worse. Yet, for whatever reason, they can never, ever, ever, ever get ahead of stories like this. They never can. They can do everything right. And this, they always somehow manage, like freaking Groundhog's Day, to screw up. Deshaun Watson, it came out in the New York Times that Deshaun Watson has got massaged 66 different women. With six, six different, Think about that. Think about that. And that the Houston Texans, a franchise that make up the National Football League, ownership group the McNairs, who aren't exactly the Rooneys, helped enable this foolishness. How in the hell are you to Sean Watson? You meet 66 different women for massages over a 17-month period and had the Houston Texans help with and were complicit in all of this and helped Deshaun cover this foolishness up. How in the hell does Deshaun Watson, Goodell, and the McNairs, the ownership, the owners of the Texans, how do they get away with this? How do they get away scot-free? How? How is this Sean Watson already not suspended for at minimum a whole season? How is he not at the bare minimum, at the least, put on the commissioner's exempt list? How is the McNairs, among other reasons, how are they already not forced to sell to sell the Houston Texans organization? How is Goodell not on a chopping plot to get axed? Out of his offices in Park Avenue. How? How's Goodell not have a press conference saying we we have suspended Deshaun Watson indefinitely? Why wasn't he on the commissioner's exempt list to begin with to prohibit him from being traded from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns and ha- and it and having it be prevented from him making the most Money as a starting quarterback in the National Football League that has literally thrown the quarterback market amongst the other 31 teams on its ear. To now, the the the, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Joe Burrows of the world, soon to be the Justin Herberts and the Mac Jones of the world, are now going to be looking at their teams, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Chargers, and saying... Where's my money? And how it's totally screwed up the market. 
when it all could have easily have been prevented if Goodell either would have would have took it upon himself to suspend him indefinitely or put him on the com- on the commissioner's exempt list where he isn't he isn't he isn't trade he isn't touched transactionally he doesn't practice he doesn't show up at the facility he doesn't work out he doesn't play he doesn't do anything until this until this issue is resolved and the NFL does not necessarily have to play FBI or local Houston Police Department on this. He violated the the league's off the field player conduct policy by having his name plastered across the headlines and in two major articles in the New York Times of it being said of it being told that he got massaged is sports illustrated as well that he got massages in a 17 month period from set from 66 different women and and dozens of women suing him civil lawsuit and it got thrown out of court, but a criminal lawsuit saying that he violated them in ways that would make you as a human being uncomfortable in your own damn skin. And yet nothing happened. Nothing has happened. Nothing, literally nothing has happened. He's allowed to get traded. He's allowed to get a raise, which is a damn joke. And he is allowed to go through OTAs and off-season activity with this new team as if everything's normal. As if he isn't or as if he isn't going through a civil lawsuit for sexual assault. And the NFL is, you know, head head in the sand, hand, head in the clouds, head up their own ass worried about the Sunday ticket stuff with Apple TV for next year and NFL Plus and farting around with the dopey pro bowl and and sending the uh and, and making sure that that we send the NFL draft all over the globe. Yeah. You, you, there's a there's literally an elephant in the room and the NFL league offices is doing everything in their power to ignore it. That's like you know what that's like that's like me vomiting all over my desk where I record at where I record my show. That's like me vomiting or defecating or pissing all over my desk and me deciding to go uh, dust off my Orioles bobbleheads. No good for what there's a that there's a that there's a disgusting mess right underneath my nose and I'm choosing to ignore it to address something minor that isn't as urgent that that isn't as important as this. They need to discipline them fast and now. It's enough. And again, what I said back in the springtime still stands. Every single one of you that work ESPN, FS1, NFL Network, that 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 is a woman. That is that is a woman. That's an on-air personality. And/or Write a news or and or you write for 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 you write you cover the NFL at whatever newspaper or whatever blog that you work for, or you sit behind a microphone on the radio. Every single last one of you should be giving the Texans, the Browns, and Goodell and Watson absolute raging hell, 
calling for Watson to be suspended, calling for the McNair to sell the team, calling for Goodell's head, and calling for Jimmy Haslam's head. Every single last one of you. Rutledge, Kimes, Karam, Freeland, Bonetta, Acosta Ruiz, every single last... Duncan, how many more do I have to name? Kinkabwala, every last one of you. You should be on TV or on the radio screaming from the rooftops to the heavens that something gets done. Because this is a joke. This man is just acting, to put it, Lightly, amorally, and he gets rewarded with a pay raise and a contract extension and gets out of his quote-unquote dire situation in Houston, which all the more makes Houston, which makes Deshaun Watson even more unlikable and hard to root for because the Houston Texans helped him cover up his foolishness and he still won it out. I understand he was up. He was upset. He was all pissed off because uh, Bill O'Brien traded his best, his his best bud, best player on the team, best receiver on the team, best receiver at the time in all of football, DeAndre Hopkins, for a bag of cheese doodles. I get it, but come on, can something get done pronto before training camp? Would be best. Would be nice. Shouldn't be playing. Case closed. Shouldn't be playing. Shouldn't be playing at all this 2021 season. And if you're the NFL, you got to think of two things. For one, you 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 decided to 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 uh, to play judge, jury, and executioner with Calvin Ridley with his little dopey five game parlay on his little on his favorite little mobile sports betting app. When you guys are in bed, in bed. With Caesars and DraftKings in bed with gambling. In bed. You just had your draft in Vegas and you're going to have your Super Bowl there in two years. You're in bed with gambling. In bed with it. You suspended Calvin Ridley a year for gambling. When you guys are in bed one more time, in bed with the gambling companies and the gambling businesses, and you and you and you decided to flex your big, you decided to flex your big power power dick. Excuse my French. Trying to show Calvin really who's boss. You suspended him a whole season. Deshaun Watson better get suspended for a season at bare minimum. And Major League Baseball, we killed Manfred, rightfully so, and I am one of those who, who within a heartbeat, will, 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 not, will not hesitate at the opportunity to pounce on the worst commissioner in sports, that is Robert Manfred of Major League Baseball. But at least he had enough wherewithal and had enough damn common sense to say, hey, Trevor Bauer... Is in the headlines for assaulting a woman. 
whether consensual or not, in the act of sex or not, he is in the national headlines and being talked about and is a topic of conversation for having a run-in with the law and abusing and hurting another human being as a professional baseball player that plays in our league for one of our franchises. Manfred wasted no time, said, Bauer, you're not playing, and on the commissioner's exempt list, and then he set his behind down for a season. I understand that there was pictures and there was actual physical graphic evidence to look to. There is none for this Deshaun Watson case, but there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. He doesn't have to be proven guilty in the court of law for him to get suspended. That's what I want you people that are defending Watson, that the, the small few of you that defended Trevor Bauer. He does, they, they don't have to play law and order. They don't have to do necessarily be the police in order for him to seek punishment. For you associating yourself and putting yourself in that position alone warrants discipline. You're a professional athlete. People look up to you. People, little kids wear your jerseys. They look up to you. They want to be like you. They want to play like you. They want your autograph. They want your picture. They, they want your they want your their tweets quote tweeted and retweeted on their Twitter page. They want their selfies with you liked on Instagram. It's about having standards and being a, an upstanding citizen and having influence. With great power comes great responsibility. And having your name associated with sexual assault is something that warrants a damn punishment for being a starting quarterback, black no less, in the National Football League. Period. I don't care about about the criminal case being thrown out of court. I don't care about the fact that it's that it's civil lawsuits. All they want is money out of them. They're not trying to send him in jail for the rest of his life. I don't care about that. The fact that he's having the, that he's that this has been a, a a a focal point of his life for the better part of the last year and a half is something that warrants a punishment. End of story. End of story. And another thing, if you're Jack Del Rio, you know, can you please learn when to hold him, know when to fold him, and know when to straight up shut the hell up and walk away? For him to get behind a microphone earlier this week, I'm in a feisty mood this show, but for good reason. For him to get, get behind a microphone and speak and spew the most ignorant, asinine, gobbledygook of psychobabble bullcrap regarding and comparing the January 6, 2021 insurrection to the riots that were a child of the George Floyd Black Lives Matter protests is so insulting and so laughable, his ass should have been fired right then and there on the spot in front of the TV cameras for everybody to see. Because if he was my, if he was on my staff, and I would have either, if I either, A, would have caught him in the act saying it, or B, the first notice I would have gotten Ron Rivera's got a Twitter account. I'm pretty sure he saw it on Twitter. The first time I would have saw it, I said, I'd have say, Jack, get your 
get you behind in my office ASAP. Would have chewed him out, cussed him out, told him to pack up his crap and get the hell out of my office. Uh, the the uh, a insurrection, a riot, to put it bluntly, to put it in layman's terms, where a bunch of Trump nutcases tried to and did break into the Capitol, which is federal government property, broke windows, broke crap, stole office items, which is destroying and stealing government private property. Some of them were busted in there to try to steal the votes, which is treasonous, to prevent the Vice President of the United States from certifying the election. Some of them were on a mission to hang and kill the Vice President of the United States, which is a federal crime and treasonous as well. And it was such a threat that House and Senate members, both parties, from Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham to Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, had to get rushed into a private bunker within the U.S. Capitol to save them from being killed on the spot. And Jack Rio sits up with the temerity, the audacity, the cojones, the chutzpah, and he unmitigated God to say it was a little dust up and plays the whataboutism game, talking about what about the riots and the people that burned down cities and burned down neighborhoods in the wake of George Floyd. What? What? You must, you must be kidding me. Are you, are you, are you, are you for real, Jack? Are you, are you trolling us? A, two wrongs don't make a right. Just because somebody else breaks the law and acts like an idiot doesn't give you the right and give you a free pass, act like an idiot, your own self. And two, one has absolutely nothing to do with the other. We're talking about a bunch of nutcases that are a member of a cult that felt compelled enough to storm into the Capitol, break crap, steal crap, trying to overthrow an election in which of which a result of it didn't go their way, comparing it to a bunch of miscreant anarchists, most of whom hijacked and stole the attention away from the actual real peaceful protests that were going on in the streets of the United States of America, from Portland to Minneapolis and everywhere else in between. They stole the attention from it, hijacked the movement for what it was or it was set out to be in the beginning and went out and started burning down other people's businesses, other people's homes and people's neighborhoods. Not saying one is worse than the other, but they're two totally separate different things. And again, two wrongs 
don't make a damn right. Period. End of freaking story. Just because people decided to burn down crap in Minneapolis and in Portland doesn't give those idiots the right to do what they did at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. And newsflash, Jack, went a little dust up. Call it for what it is. An insurrection. A riot, if you want to use blunt, layman street terms. Quit BSing yourself. Quit BSing the American public. Turn off. Log off of Facebook. Quit shit. Get off your QAnon group chats. Turn off Newsmax. Turn off OAN. As Eminem says, snap back to reality. Wake the hell up. Take the take the Trump blinders off and get a damn clue. Okay? If it was me, he said that my coaching staff, his ass would have been thrown out. And he especially doesn't have a leg to stand on after his defense did nothing but stink up the joint and get ran up and down all over the field with his Washington football team commander Redskin defense last year. I don't want to hear no excuse about Chase Young either. Your defense fell flat on its ass last year, Jack. Please. If, unless you, the only thing you should be talking to the media about is 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 my plans to improve the defense heading into training camp this season, because your defense was downright embarrassing and pathetic. You're already on thin ice with the Washington fan base as it is. My God, you can't compare a bunch of anarchists. Rioting in the streets, hijacking a protest, and some uh, a group of left-wing nutcases over overwhelming overwhelming a, a protest to somebody that was trying to overthrow a government to that, that and trying to and a bunch of people com, committing treason. Don't compare it, please. And and if all you, and again for every all you uh, and for a lot of you people that are over there in Jack's camp. A lot and a lot of you right wingers, uh, I've also heard enough and had enough with with the with the whataboutism formula when it comes to you guys, either when it comes to you guys forming an opinion or having a a a, a, a discussion, dialogue, or an argument slash debate. I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of the. I'm tired of the of of the of the finger pointing and the whataboutism. What about you? And the stuff within your constituency, the people that that identify and agree with the views that you have and hold true to your heart. What about them? Instead of worrying about other people. Okay? Stop. It's enough. And NFL, get off your ass. Quit worrying about NFL Plus Sunday ticket 2023 in the Pro Bowl. And make sure that Deshaun Watson's Watson's ass doesn't play at minimum at the earliest until 2023. Me personally, I'd sit his ass down for two years. Really send a message. Or a year and a half. We won't, I won't see you on a football field again until November of 2023. It's ridiculous. Feisty show today, but had a lot to scream and a lot to uh, yell and talk about. New episode of the Amatella Cotillia's podcast is in the books. If you like what you heard, 
new to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Anchor.fm website. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. The show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it ti is, and the podcast at Amatel or Instagram, excuse me, at Amatel underscore podcast. That is your boy Jai Shields. Enjoy Game Four of the NBA Finals on Friday night. Talk to you on Saturday. See you.